Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Brian, the UK Bitcoin Master. It's really great to have you here. Uh, Just a brief explanation before we get into the podcast in earnest. Uh, I've taken the MP3 from my YouTube uh, videos that I've done over the last few years and created them into podcast form. Now, what you'll notice through the podcast is that uh, on my YouTube channel, I clearly refer to articles that I'm showing on the live stream, which of course you're not going to be able to see on this podcast. So do take that as is, but enjoy the podcast nevertheless. Do check out my YouTube channel, ukbitcoinmaster.com. You'll find all the Bitcoin videos I've done to date. And also bitcoininterviews.com is where you'll find all the interviews that I've done with some of the greatest thought leaders in the Bitcoin space since I've been uh, live streaming. Uh, You can also check me out on Twitter, library.tv, BitChute, DTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all at UK Bitcoin Master or forward slash UK Bitcoin Master. Finally, if you enjoy the content, please tweet it out on your Twitter uh, channel so that we can get ears on these podcasts. So thanks for being here. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good evening, everyone. It's Brian here, the UK Bitcoin Master, back with another video in my series, Bitcoin for Beginners. Great to be with you all, albeit later than usual. And that's because my very special guest was not prepared to get up right in the middle of the night to talk to me, although he was happy to talk to me. Well, hold on a second, guys. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Technical issue. The other phone's going on off and I can hear myself. So what I want to do is get the intro video out of the way and let's get on with the show. Okay, so it's fantastic to be with you all. And as always, have a strong Bitcoin hand. You know my philosophy, guys. Buy your Bitcoin, get it off an exchange, get it onto a hardware device or, or a node or whatever whatever your you know beef is based on your knowledge. Um, and then literally do nothing. You know, hodl, store it, stack sats, whatever you want to call it. Hold your Bitcoin. Uh, my guest tonight is somebody that is all about hold your Bitcoin. Um, so we're going to get into that. Before I do, um, I always like to pop up the disclaimer. I don't give financial advice, so don't take any of this as financial advice, please. Um, anything I say is just based on what I've learned uh, since I've been in the space uh, since mid-May uh, 2017. So even I'm uh, a noob. So, you know, my advice or the, the, the advice given to me when I um, first got my phone call about Bitcoin was, don't take anything I'm saying as as red. Go down the rabbit hole yourself. Do your own research. Draw your own conclusions. Buy some Bitcoin if you feel it feels right for you. Only can invest what you can afford to lose, obviously. Uh, but the, my disclaimer is I don't give any financial advice. I want to plug my websites, if I may, briefly. The bottom one, ukbitcoinmaster.com. That is where you will find every video I've ever done. And also the latest one, bitcoininterviews.com, where you can literally find purely 
the Bitcoin interviews that I do, including this one this evening that will obviously go into that playlist once it's all over. And finally, I don't want donations. I don't want tips. I just want some likes, some thumbs up, some, you know, re-steams on uh, Steam, Steam it if you're watching this on Steam it once I've uploaded it, you know. But if you want to leave a tip, you can leave a tip. Check out the notes section below. There's a Bitcoin tip if you want. There's a tipping.me uh, QR code there or go to the website and tipping.me uh, slash UK Bitcoin Master. And if you want to leave a tip, you can. Uh, so that said, um, tonight is, or let's call it today. Uh, for me, it's tonight. For my guest, it's 6 a.m. in the morning, guys. So take heed as to what this guy's got to say because he's got up really early to be my guest. And without further ado, it really gives me great pleasure to welcome Stefan Levera onto the call. Stefan, hi, how are you doing? Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, listen, you're really, really welcome. So, guys, this is Stefan. He's from, am I allowed to say where you're from, Stefan? Or you are? Yeah, Sydney, uh, Sydney, Australia. Sydney, Australia. There you go, guys. So, we're both ends of the pond tonight. I'm really excited to have Stefan on the call. So, um, for you newbies that might be coming on to the call, firstly, pound the like button, please. Subscribe to the channel. If you're watching this on Catch Up, bottom right hand corner, you can subscribe to the channel. Um, check out the notes below. Everything's down there from my Twitter link at UK Bitcoin Master. This goes also up on, uh, it's live now on bitbacker.io. It will go up on BitTube, DTube, which uploads to Steam it. Check all those out. Like it across those platforms. I would appreciate it. Uh, I want to give a plug, a good shout out to my good friends, Bitcoin to the Moon. He's also down in Australia. Um, get these t-shirts from him. He's a great guy. I've met him in person when he was over in the UK a while back. We spent several hours together. Really, really great guy. So a plug for Bitcoin to the Moon. So that said, guys, let's get in uh, to the uh, interview and let's get asking Stefan some questions. Now, I'm sure on the interval show, interview shows, you don't want to listen to me. What you want to do is listen to what my guest has got to say. So, Stefan, tonight the show is all about you, my friend. <laughs> OK, so that said, um, briefly before we do, let's say hello to Danny, who's in the chat. We've got Rocky Palumbo. Great to have you with us, Rocky. Elaine, Mrs. UK Bitcoin Master, my lovely wife, Buffy W., my lovely daughter. Right family affair here. Guy Bennett, great to have you with us. Andy BTC and whoever else is on the show. So, Stefan, let me get to this first question, if I uh, may. If you're okay with it, and if you're not, I'm cool with that. If you're okay with it, tell our audience a little bit about your background before discovering Bitcoin. What did you do? So, I mean, professionally, I was working more in a chartered accountant capacity, mostly internal audit and so on. But I mean, in terms of Bitcoin, my background would really be more around Austrian economics. So I was, I really, I would consider myself a student of that. And so from a young age, probably from my mid-teens, I slowly but surely went down that Austrian economics rabbit hole before, this is before Bitcoin, right? Uh, so I slowly started learning more and more about that. And then during the time of the GFC, the, you know, sort of 2007, 2008 times, I was already more informed by the Austrian economics perspective. So for me, I was already skeptical about government control of money. Yep. And so that for me was part of how I think I was part of that wave of people who were a little bit more 
susceptible or more easy. It was, it was easier for us to understand what is Bitcoin, why is it important? And so then I you know, spent a lot of time reading a lot of the different books by Ludwig von Mises, Murray Rothbard, Hans Hermann Hopper, many of the others, um, and some of the more kind of younger guns, so guys like Bob Murphy and Tom Woods. I'd spent a lot of time reading their books or listening to their podcasts or watching their talks on YouTube videos and so on. And so, yeah, so essentially that gave me a certain grounding in the principles of what a free market money would look like and why that would be, you know, exactly why would that be superior to a government chosen money or government dictated money rather. Yep. And so essentially I, the first time I heard about Bitcoin would have been around, it was probably 2011 or tw like kind of early 2012, one of those Slashdot articles, but I probably, at that point, I just thought, oh, this thing is a scam. I don't really want to, <laughs> you know, I don't really know what that is, whatever, right? <laughs> yep. Just like most people, right? Most yep. people, when they first hear about it, they think it's a scam, they think it's going to fail, they think the government's going to shut it down, they, you know, one of these things, right? Um, then... My come to Bitcoin moment, it's funny. So I was actually on a family holiday back. So my family is originally from Sri Lanka, right? So I'm yep. raised in Sydney, but I'm from Sri Lanka. Um, so my family was back over in Sri Lanka for a holiday. This is in late 2012. And in Sri Lanka, the roads are really you know, poor quality. So it takes a long time to get anywhere. So I remember sitting in the back of the van, like while the family's kind of moving to, you know, driving to another location. And I was just browsing on the internet. And so given that I was already into some of these Austrian economics ideas, yep. I saw this article by Eric Voorhees at the time, right? Now this yep. was in December, 2012. Yep. Um, and essentially at that point, it was like a, it was basically a libertarian primer to Bitcoin, a libertarian introduction to Bitcoin. I can't remember the exact title. And reading that one article, now it was a longer article, but that was my like, whoa, whoa, this is actually something. Like, I need to look into this. Yep. And then from that point on, I've pretty much not been able to stop thinking about Bitcoin. <laughs> Somebody somebody <laughs> said something to me um, a while back, and it was tongue-in-cheek, but it was something like, first you get married, then it's happy, then you find Bitcoin, uh, then you don't get much time, then you're divorced, and then it's all Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm not saying we do that. <laughs> I'm not saying we do that, but what I would say, and my wife is actually, Elaine, she's on the call, she's watching um, from another room, you know, she knows that, you know, when I first got that phone call, if it was something that was going to grab me, I'm going down the rabbit hole. And it's really interesting. I know, I know this is an aside, but it's great how this attracts people. My daughter, Buffy, who's on the call, you know, she's, bless her, I'm just turned 60, she's 41. Um, and, you know, when I first started talking to my kids about Bitcoin, you know, there was very much, and she might disagree, but there was very much a, oh, right, dad, okay, all right, dad, yeah, yeah, dad. And it very much was lip service. But all of a sudden, I've got her watching my channel and a couple of other channels, and all of a sudden, you know, Buffy, she would agree. She's going down the rabbit hole and getting more and more, more and more interested in, in this thing. So um, can I just ask you, and this might not be very easy to answer, answer and this is for the real noobs that might be watching this now or watching it down the road in the future um forgive me you know i am a noob as well i've um 
read the Bitcoin standard. I've listened to the Bitcoin standard, but I'm still a real novice. My backgrounds, I don't know what you say in Australia, trucker. I spent 20 years as a trucker, a lorry driver. So my background is not economics. It's not law. It's not accounting. It's not technology. It is so radically different to this. So is there a way to explain in really simple terms what is what Austrian economics is? If there isn't, that's OK. But fundamentally, what is it? All right. So <laughs> it's a tough one, but let me let me try and give it a quick answer. So uh, it is a certain school of economic thought that uses a, a particular methodology that is kind of more aligned to individual action and individual choice. Right. So it once upon a time, it, it basically was mainstream economics. Right. Yeah. Once upon a time, it was seen as that was just the, the economics. Whereas nowadays, it's not the typical economics that you would get taught in a high school or at university. Okay. And there are reasons for that. It's not like some oh, big, deep, dark conspiracy. It's more just like the incentives of the system go a certain way. So the governments and politicians have an incentive to kind of sponsor or subsidize schools of economic thought that kind of promote their own interventionist philosophy. Whereas an Austrian school, an Austrian school trained economist tends to be more free market. They tend to be less government intervention for certain reasons, right? It's not just because they hate the government. It's because of certain uh, principles that they start from. So a, a key idea in Austrian economics uh, is this concept of praxeology. So it's this concept that you start from certain axioms, you start from certain uh, truths, like man acts purposefully, right? Certain yep. truths. And then from that, you you can deduce further more truths that come from that. And some of this comes from once you get deeper into it and start reading books around Austrian methodology. A good example might be Mises's Human Action, the start of that book, which yep. is now, in fairness, that's a long book. So it's not a good starter book. Uh, but for your listeners who are interested to start in East Austrian economics, I would recommend this book called Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. That's probably the best starter book on Austrian economics. From a monetary point of view, obviously, as you mentioned, the Bitcoin Standard is a fantastic book. I also like The Ethics of Money Production by Guido Holzman. I've hosted him on my podcast as well, if the listeners are interested. Um, yeah, so there, there are a range of those books, but if I had to just sort of summarize a few things that the Austrian school is known for, it is uh, that are quintessentially Austrian, it's a focus on the individual and the individual yep. action rather than trying to look at things in terms of like a macro aggregate. It's trying to understand what's going on at the individual level. Yep. Austrian economics is also consumer focused. Right. It's not about trying to make things, so in some sense, what's best for the producer. It's thinking in an Austrian understanding of, the, of economics, the consumer is king. Yep. So that's yep. another point. Yep. Um, and I guess a few other points that come from, from a Bitcoin point of view. Yep. Austrian economics does not, in some sense, it does not prescribe that there should be a rise in the supply of money. So in, in an Austrian sense, any supply of money is as good as any other. It's yep. just that the value of that money would change. Yep. Whereas in other schools of economics, such as the Keynesian school and the Chicago school and, and others, they believe that 
for various reasons, that there should be inflation, that there yep. should be an expansion in the supply of money. Yep. Whereas the Austrian school is not so wedded to that idea. And in fact, the Austrian school would point out, many adherents of the Austrian school would point out that inflation has very negative effects on society. It's not easy to first understand why that is. It takes a bit of learning and a bit of reading to get to that point. So I would say from an Austrian point of view, an Austrian school economist would say there, there is a certain supply of money that will be chosen on the market and there will be a certain rate of production of money that will yep. be chosen on the market based on what your best alternative is. And where the Bitcoin part comes into it then is that Bitcoin has this has a very specific fixed money supply, which is obviously attractive to people from a speculation standpoint because they believe this is going to become a much harder money. Yep. And so that's the concept as well. So if your listeners have read the Bitcoin Standard, they will see that in that book, Safe Dynamos goes through some of the ideas about why the harder money tends to win and this concept of the stock to flow stock of money versus the incoming flow of money yep. so yep. these are some of the ideas that safety and expands upon in that book and then from a deeper understanding of austrian economics banking money then we can sort of we can come to this idea of why just why bitcoin is a superior money or can be a superior money if given uh, time and adoption Wow, <laughs> if that's the easy answer, <laughs> but I get what you're saying. So for me to simplify it, you're saying that, you know, Austrian economics is let's think outside the box. Let's not go down the mainstream, the norm that we've been taught for centuries, etc. That's what you're saying. It's it's a different school of thought that focuses on the individual more than the collective. Is that summing it up? I don't want to bamboozle me, don't yes, bamboozle like my readers. It's sort of well, I would say it's kind of, it's more technically accurate. So it yep. takes a little bit more work yep. um, to think through. But uh, another way to think of it might be there's less use of macroeconomic statistic aggregates to determine what economics is. <laughs> okay. It's a little, yeah, look, I think... You can, if you read so, if you read something like economics in one lesson, that will really kind of give you a good flavour of how to think how to think about Australian Elaine, economics. Write that down. Economics in one lesson. That's something I need to read. Okay, so we'll leave that there and we'll move on. Uh, only in the interest of a time b. I don't want to completely phase my beginners that are watching this now or in in the future. Um, so. You might have said this, but when did you first discover Bitcoin? When was it? I mean, you know, and initially you've obviously said your thoughts like most are oh, something dodgy. Well, I, I didn't actually. I did not think that. When I first heard it, when I first got the phone call from my friend, well, a, a business associate, actually, you know, I'd never heard of it. I didn't understand it, but I just literally jumped on the Internet. And, and if I'm honest, honest, I didn't really have any guidelines of who I was going to follow, who was going to, you know, be the sort of person that was going to give me the information I wanted. So I was listening to Jeff Berwick, um, the dollar vigilante, uh, which, you know, in all fairness, he doesn't give me what I want. 
if I'm actually honest. And I ended up with, you know, a selection of people from Trace Mayer, Simon Dixon, you know, Adam Meister. You know, the Bitcoin Meister is definitely, you know, the guy that's given me my strong Bitcoin hand without a shadow of a doubt. I got that very, very early on. Um, you know, there's um, there's a few others, a Vortex, you know, I've heard you speak on Adam's show, which is why I wanted to get you on my show. Uh, there's probably someone I've missed out, but there's like seven or eight BTC sessions. There's like seven or eight that people that I think have got the right philosophy. If that, why are you grinning? The huddle <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> yeah, the huddle. Yeah, Meister won't say that. He says I don't say huddle. <laughs> so um, when did you when did you first get some? You know, when did you start accumulating Bitcoin? Uh, without doxing myself too hard, early 2013. Yeah, early 2013. So, yeah, I know, but you could have started dollar cost and averaging and getting a little bit, couldn't you? You know, so it is just to give a bit of a guide. I'm in four years ahead of me, which is pretty darn impressive. So, um, when you, you know, when when you got your Bitcoin, um, did you go down the rabbit hole first, or did you just get some? You know, because I needed to get some. I know it's odd, but they say, do your research. And I teach on this channel, do your research first. But as soon as my friend told me, I don't know what it was. I just had this overwhelming gut feeling. Get some. Learn about it later. If you lose it, well, you lose it. Get some. How was that for you? For me, I guess I was a bit more cautious. I wanted to do a bit more reading. But I can definitely understand that your perspective as well, because... For some people, it's 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 like they say, skin in the game. Sometimes once you own some of it, now you kind of really actually care about it. But I would say if you're going to do that, make sure it's a small amount. Don't just kind of go gambling on it. Uh, what you need to do is really, and this is a common thing we say in Bitcoin, is the first investment you should make is in your education. You've got to try and understand Bitcoin a little bit more deeply yeah. and read some of these different, you know. So, yeah, some of those guys you mentioned before are quite good, right? Vortex, he's great. Um, Adam Meister, he's good. Uh, BTC Sessions, he's good. You know, once you sort of learn and read a little bit more, then you start to understand more about why it it might just be a superior money because it's not controlled by anyone. Well, in all honesty, in all fairness, it, it was it was um, the Bitcoin Standard that really got me. You know, I um, will openly admit that I didn't do particularly well at school. In fact, I left school a little bit earlier than most because I was more trouble at school than I was away from school. So there was a, a <laughs> mutual agreement between my parents and the headmaster that it might be best that I leave school. So I didn't learn much. Um, but for me, as soon as I had that phone call from my friend, I just went down the rabbit hole. I knew I had to get some, but I also knew then that every spare minute I had, I had to get on YouTube. I had to read. I had to listen. I had to learn. And when I when I um, went through the Bitcoin standard, what it taught me about the history of money and the seashells and the rocks and everything else, and, you know, the stock to flow ratio, and, and I, I learned about that. Um, the wars, you know, and why wars happen and how it's all about money and control and everything else. It really cemented me into this. So I think for me personally, um, I, I got in because I could see a speculation there. I'm not going to say I couldn't. But the more I've been involved, the more I can see clearly. And if my grandkids are listening, don't get any ideas about popping me off early. But the more I can see how my grandchildren and great grandchildren are going to benefit from this if they can get their head around it and get in 
early or you know get a basic understanding of it if that makes sense um so I, I guess I was slightly different. So my advice is do your research, as I've already said, but I was different. I've always been different. And I jumped in first because I just had this feeling I just had to be involved. And now I can't put it down. I asked my missus, Elaine, she's on the call. You know, I'm watching videos before I go to sleep. I'm watching videos the minute I wake up and it's absolutely constant. Um, I wanted to just go over to the chat for a moment because Guy Bennett's just put in, Stephen, I'm working my way through all of your podcasts. What are your top three favourite podcasts, either because of the information shared? Whoa, it's just gone off the screen. Um, where's that one gone? Um, information shared or the entertainment given um guys asking for your top three favorite podcast if you know them <laughs> yeah okay so i think if you're a newbie slp episode 71 which is an episode i do a intro to bitcoin austrian thought that's probably a good starter episode um then from an education point of view maybe episodes one and two actually with safety and vj Boyapati. so those are probably some of the best episodes so uh, in terms of my favorite probably more from an economics point of view was probably uh 51 and 52 so 51 was with guido hulsman who is uh an economics professor who i admire and i've read his work so that was really a fantastic experience for me to interview him and 52 was with was with jack dorsey and elizabeth stark so that was obviously very special for me as well <laughs> jack dorsey yeah, and elizabeth for, yeah. stark um yeah. i think you've just got another convert to your podcast i think i've got to get over and start sorry elaine that's a little bit more time out listening <laughs> <laughs> fantastic well done there you go guy i hope that answered your question uh, this is not a questions and answers show we'll be here too long but there was something from danny brewster he said bitcoin doesn't care what holds it or who holds it but a currency with deflationary tendencies being held in fractional reserve is a recipe for disaster for the company going fractional not bitcoin yeah pretty impressive okay stefan moving on um Let's go straight to this. Are you a Bitcoin maximalist or do you hold and trade alts? I'm a maximalist for sure. Yeah, I, I'm out and out Bitcoin maximalist. I'm probably uh, <laughs> known for being a proponent of the maximalist view, if anything. So, well, yeah. I know that, but I wanted my audience to hear it from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you don't see anything. I mean, you know, we hear Adam all the time saying Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Do you see, do, do you, and, and there's a school of thought that says, you know, the killer app or the killer program or whatever it is, isn't here yet. Something could supersede Bitcoin. I mean, mm. before you answer it, from my perspective, you know, again, going through Saferdeen's book, you know, I can't see with Bitcoin's team behind it, you know, it's the way the protocol set up, the way, you know, uh, um, Satoshi laid it all out. You know, I can't see how anything could better that, but could it? Is it possible? So, yeah, this is an interesting question. And I think it's common for newbies to think this as well, right? So the common thing that newbies think is, oh, what if Bitcoin is the MySpace and something else is the Facebook? I don't want to buy the MySpace. I, I want to buy the of. Facebook. Coin. That's what I was trying to think right? of. <laughs> That's a lot of people are thinking that way. And in my view, they're not thinking about it like 
Bitcoin as a zero to one innovation. They're not thinking of Bitcoin as like it actually is special. And to understand that, you have to understand some of the history of how many attempts there were over the past decades, right? So there was B money, there was Bitgold, there was Hashcash, there were there were prior attempts, there was Liberty Reserve that got shut down, there were all these other attempts that failed, and or or they kind of didn't start. Whereas Bitcoin is the one that actually has now been going for 10 years and nobody could have known at the time that Bitcoin started that it would have been this successful after merely 10 years. So that's something to consider. And also we have to consider it's it's not about having many different use cases. It's about what makes the best money. And it's also about understanding that, and again, we can understand this from an Austrian economics point of view, is that there's a tendency there towards convergence, towards the best money. Yep. Right? So rather than there being a world of many, many different monies, we think of it more like, well, there will be convergence towards the best and most saleable money, as in the most marketable money. And so that is a very, that's a concept that we can take from Karl Menger, the founder of the Austrian school. And so he talks about this in his essay, the, On the Origins of Money. And he's talking about how good m- monies are essentially competing on a market. And they're competing in terms of which one is most marketable or most saleable. And yep. I think Safetyn also mentions this quite strongly in his book, <laughs> The Bitcoin Standard. Um, and so the key idea there is you, we need to think about what is most liquid, right? If you want to buy or sell a certain Bitcoins, right? Let's say you're going to like fast Bitcoins or whatever in the UK, um, you will need to also think about when you want to buy what will cause the most or least slippage so sometimes let's say you come with a big order and like maybe not like individuals like you or me brian but let's say you're a you're a high net worth individual or you're a big business and you want to buy you know millions and millions of dollars of bitcoin or some cryptocurrency well it would benefit you to try and choose one that's more liquid because then you will pay less slippage fee when you're trying to buy it. Yep. And so that's another concept that really liquidity begets li- liquidity. And it's also based on this concept of opportunity cost. If I hold more of coin A, that means I can hold, I necessarily must hold less of coin B. At yep. some level, it sort of all plays out together and ultimately it sort of drives towards the best one. And so that's part of why it makes it so difficult for any other coin to come out and actually beat Bitcoin now, especially because it's already had a 10-year head start. It's already got millions and millions of people kind of who are already invested, who are already talking about it, who already make shows for it. And there's all this infrastructure. There's all these developers who are building on top of Bitcoin rather than on some other coin. And it, it is the most liquid and most exchanges support it compared to any other coin. So for these reasons, we can understand that Bitcoin is superior. It is, it is exceptional. It is, it is in a class of its own. It's in a class of one. So that is why we would say, you know, it's Bitcoin only, in my view. Which leads me to another question that we haven't got down here, but I think I've really got to ask it. Um, <clears throat> right, before I ask this question... I am not into slandering other people. I'm not into slanging matches, etc. But we have this scenario with the BSV individual. 
okay, claiming or the claims, the copyrights and everything else. Um, what is your take on that? I mean, there are people saying, but, you know, what if he is? What if, you know, over time, BSV does become Bitcoin because it supposedly is Satoshi's original vision? But I don't think so. But a couple of people said that to me. So your views on BSV, Craig Wright, etc. that debacle, as I'm going to call it. <clears throat> yeah. So, look, uh, the thing is, you've got to look at this guy, this man's history. He has a history of continually doing these sorts of things. He, you know, he is currently, uh, as I as I understand, I don't know, I don't know. The thing is, I don't look too much into the details on this guy because honestly, I th I feel like the more we all kind of talk about him, he gets more yes, no yes. you know, notoriety. You know, it's kind yeah. of like we're giving him more power by talking about him. But yeah. quick answer, just for the listeners who are a little bit newer who might not quite understand this. I would look up an article by Jameson Lopp talking about, um, basically, Jameson Lopp wrote an article in Bitcoin Magazine cataloging many of the various uh, things that do not make sense about this BSV individual. Yep. And so that's a quick way to quickly understand what's going on there. Now, to, to, your, to your other point about, okay, you know, the newbie might be wondering, oh, why, why might BSV not overtake, like, why do you think BSV won't overtake Bitcoin? Now, there's many reasons I would say for that. So, firstly, it has many, many less actual transactions and less people using it. It has a lot less infrastructure being built around it. It has much weaker network effects. And it's absurd to, for, you know, for people to think that somehow BSV is going to come up and flip in Bitcoin or overtake Bitcoin because it just it's not in the position to do that. There's no yeah. there's far less merchants who accept it. There's far less people who are holding it. There's far less developers who are coding for it. It just it's just not as good as a technology as Bitcoin is. And the other important component to Bitcoin and some people try to shy away from this, but I think. We have to be honest about it. Bitcoin is built to be resistant to influence by any one individual or any one government. If BSV is highly, highly dependent on you know this individual, one individual. then how good is that as a money? Not really. It's not really a very good money, is it? Because then this one guy can change it. And Bitcoin also needs to be government resistant. So... BSV, by making larger blocks, if it ever got bigger, it would be much easier for the government to shut down BSV than Bitcoin. And kind of if you think about it in, a, in that sort of game theory sense, well, if Bitcoin is just too hard to shut down, people just won't try. So that's another angle as well. So I guess summarizing that, I would say it has weaker liquidity. It is much more centralized it has much less infrastructure around it, and so we can say the network effects around BSV are much, much weaker than those for Bitcoin. So, guys, <clears throat> you heard it here from Stefan. Strong Bitcoin hand, people. Bitcoin is the one. Don't be worrying about anything else. Um, I believe that vehemently. I believe it passionately. People can say I'm brainwashed all they like. But I, like Stefan, believe that there is only one Bitcoin. There will only ever be one Bitcoin. And it is BTC Bitcoin. Get some. OK, questions. Um, 
I'm not into price predictions, but how do you see? I mean, okay, so we've got the school of thought of this is changing the world in terms of money. We know that, okay? And <clears throat> excuse me, I'm in that for my descendants down the road. I'm also in it because I want to accumulate something. You know, I'm of a, an age where we want to slow down at some point and we want to see the world a little bit. So, you know, let, let's have a balance. Uh, you know, anybody that says they're not in it to try and, you know, speculate and make some money, I don't know, Vortex. I know, he, I know he's the one that almost convinces me that he is absolutely not, but I'm not quite sure. Um, so what I want to ask is from the growth of Bitcoin standpoint, you said it a few minutes ago, you said that it's grown staggeringly. You didn't use those words, I am, but you said it's yeah. grown staggeringly in just 10 years. Now, when you take money, you know, thousands, gold, thousands and thousands and thousands of years, years old, okay, and Bitcoin 10 years ago was unheard of, Already, like you said, you know, the, 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 the press it's got, the media coverage, the people involved, the companies, the corporations that are doing things around it or within crypto that promotes the Bitcoin name. Ultimately, where do you see the next bull runs going in terms of growth, percentage growth? I don't want to put figures. I'm not into figures. But, you know, we're hearing that. You know, the, the, the halving of 2016, of course, we've got the 2020 halving coming up. Big deal. Big, big deal. And then 2017 was when we had the mania. And if that goes the same way, of course, we're going to get 2020 halving, 2021 potential mania. And the same with 2024 and 2025. Where do you think Bitcoin may be in, say, a decade? That's just a, that's an off the cuff question. That's not written down here. Just yeah. based on what. Yeah, I said. sure. That's yeah, that's fine. Um, look, I anticipate each wave will pull in more and more people. So my view is the next wave that we see, which, as you mentioned, it, we don't we don't know exactly. It could be 2021, 2022. That wave will be much more crazy than 2017. It yep. will just be even more intense. It will be all over the news. It will be people all talking about how they can get some. That's my view. I think it's going to get really crazy. Now, if you go at 10 years in advance, again, it's difficult to predict, but my view is we will see continual adoption in a wave fashion. So we will see, you know, I don't know exactly when, but we'll see probably another wave just like we saw 2017, and we'll see probably another two rounds of that. But, in 10 years time right because we'll see another two halvings happen yeah. um and i mean there are different views in the community as well so there are some views that the halvings are what drive it and others have the view of more like we are seeing cycles but those cycles will elongate so those yeah. cycles will go longer and then slower down and then longer up and then slower down you know so there's different views there but essentially if we see bitcoin maintain these ca characteristics that it has of being well decentralized of being very stable and secure code having a large community of users holders activists types influencers and so on we can anticipate much much more adoption in 10 years time and the price would also be much much higher in 10 years time <laughs> if we're all right <laughs> and uh, you know when when you look at it uh, again coming from a basic point of view they've always said that you know when you get the big run-ups you know when you get the pullbacks 
when it bottoms, when the pullback bottoms, it always bottoms higher than the previous high. So that would give some kind of indicator of where this thing could go. I think we still get the mania. I think people will just FOMO in and it will go bananas. It will just go parabolic. And do you think then we'll have the same horrendous pullbacks? Or are you saying that as more adoption, as more people are aware of this, as more people come into it, there's got to come a point, hasn't there, where, you know, the volatility has to start to go out of it. But that's certainly going to be decades down the road, I would imagine. Would would that be right? Yes. I think of it like it is going to be volatile for some time, yep. but thankfully it's likely to be in the direction of upwards. Uh, but definitely, I'm sure during the next run, there will be people who buy in at the top and then get hurt because they were basically trying to gamble on it without having a defined strategy on how they are planning to buy Bitcoins. And that's why... Some people in the Bitcoiner community try to advocate things like dollar cost averaging rather than lump sum investment. Uh, particularly if you're in a all-time high situation, uh, you might at at that point you might be thinking more about trying to just purchase small amounts rather than trying to you know people who just go all in on it. Yeah. Um, because it is a speculation. It is it is a speculative demand, and we can't anticipate that this thing will become less volatile within at least a decade it probably will take more than that because this is we're seeing the birth of a new money so i think we have to just put that in perspective for a yep. second there because yep. really we're seeing this wholly uncontrolled money but you know well uncontrolled by the government or any business and to see that happen in in 10 years and yeah it's just it's going to take time the the other thing is people more and more people get mentally captured by the waves so we're gonna it's necessarily going to have these waves up and down right it's not just going to be like a oh we all just steadily adopt it it's more like there'll be these crazy fomo cycles and every man and his dog wants to buy some bitcoin and then there'll be a crash uh and everyone will be thinking oh that was a huge mistake but then what we've seen is it's just a rinse and repeat we just see that again and again next cycle next cycle so yeah so especially for me now being about what six years or so into bitcoin that's definitely that's been my experience anyway well i've got to say if i may um i think those of us that are living through these times times we've never seen before and i personally think we will never see again um, if i'm honest because of the way Bitcoin set out, the scarcity aspect, etc. Um, I, I, I think we're living in such incredibly exciting times. Sometimes I just want to burst, you know, because it is just incredible. Um, I want to give a shout out, if I can, again to Guy Bennett in the chat, because I've heard Guy say many times he bought at the top. He bought right at the top. And he is still here and he is still on these shows and he's still commenting. He's still around. So, Guy, great thumbs up to you. Um, I want to pick up, if I may, because uh, Wal Walter Betag Streisand. <gasps> I hope I said that correctly. Um, where was it? It said at one point or another, it has to become a medium of exchange as people do not have zero time preference. That's not the one I was going to read. Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. Um, so the thing is, we can, while I 
mostly agree with the idea that it will be store of value first. There will be some people who choose to cash some out because if you think of it like it's part of your investment portfolio and let's say you bought some and it goes up dramatically, at some point you may decide, well, okay, I do need to spend some of this for my living expenses or, you know, let's say there's something in your life that you've always wanted and the Lambo. You know, Everyone talks about Yeah, well, Lambo. okay, maybe for some people it's the Lambo. You know, we shouldn't be too uh, <laughs> judging of other people's preferences, Brian. No. Um, but, um, Aston Martin, sorry, carry on, carry on. <laughs> Aston Martin, okay. But look, I mean, the thing is, you only get one life. We're not going to live forever. So you have to choose that balance between wanting to kind of save for the long term or leave some for your children Yep. versus having some enjoyment in the here and now. Yep. And some people may choose to, as the price goes up, decide, okay, well, I might take a, a small chunk of my Bitcoins out and uh, use that to buy an Aston Martin or a house to live in you know, or to pay for living expenses, yeah, especially absolutely. once more, yeah. more people start earning Bitcoin. Well, yep. then... And they only, if you only earn Bitcoin, well, then you're going to have to spend to just to live, right, for food and rent and so on. So... We anticipate that process will just happen naturally over time. It's still an exciting time to be alive, isn't it? To oh, live through this, because people hear about this in history, you know, people that have gone before that have missed this. I mean, to 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 live through it, I think it's just absolutely. To, I mean, and do you believe that Bitcoin will be the future of money? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think for me, I'm quite confident about it. Uh, other people are not as confident about it, but in my view, it, it's just a superior money and we can anticipate further and further adoption of it. And we have to understand as well, the understand that right now, Bitcoin is like a drop in the bucket. It is yep. tiny. It's like whatever, yep. even a hundred billion, whatever. It's, it's tiny compared to global markets, right? Global yep. stocks might be like 90 trillion the global wealth might be like 300 and whatever, 280 trillion. I think there was a number thrown around by Credit Suisse a couple of years ago. Like people just, it's hard for us to conceive of exactly the size of Bitcoin and just how small it is right now. And even if a small percentage of people just start throwing in a small percentage of their net worth into Bitcoin, all of a sudden it's going to it's still going to dramatically rise and then that is going to kick off the next cycle of people coming in and everyone fomoing in and at that point then people will have a superior alternative to government money and central banking and in answer to your question of course you know i've got my own strategy and i've made that public even on adam's show and you know 2024 and 2025 are going to be pivotal years for me, you know, in terms of, yeah, I'm going to need to pull some out. So it's going to become a medium of exchange, isn't it? You know, uh, I, what is the point of living your life and buying Bitcoin and sitting on it and dying and passing it on? And then your next generation sit on it and then they die and then they pass it on. That's, you know, that's crazy as far as I'm concerned. So there's going to be an element of medium exchange, most definitely. Uh, look, Stefan, um, we've pretty well got almost to the end of the show. I want to just, if I can, ask you to, you know, give a little bit of sound advice to somebody who's watching this maybe in the future, 
They're brand new or they're on here right now, brand new. And I'm going to say, I've just seen in the chat, I've now got myself, I've got my daughter and my granddaughter on the call as well. So there's three generations on this call. So what advice would you give to people thinking of getting into Bitcoin, have just got their first bit of Bitcoin? Some really good sound advice from somebody with your knowledge and background. I would say... Yeah, so as we mentioned, you've got to spend a lot of time learning. And I would say in terms of what you learn about, I would suggest there is an economics. Economics of Bitcoin is very important to understand and that we should view Bitcoin more as a monetary phenomenon than we do. It's like some new technology because the people who think of it like, a, oh, it's this new technology or two, who go too far down that path. They sometimes get stuck in this blockchain technology yep. uh, kind of dead end. So really, it's kind of, you need a certain level of knowledge of economics plus a certain level of knowledge of the technology of Bitcoin. And then only those two together, in my view, can help a person understand really what Bitcoin is about. And so that is very much a view that I push on my own podcast as well. So uh, I really push what, what is what I term a Bitcoin Austrian view. So it's, it's Bitcoin informed by a view of Austrian economics. And so I think those are key things to understand. Another, a few pieces of advice is as you learn a little bit more deeply about what Bitcoin is, then you can become more involved in contributing and advocating yourself about Bitcoin for other people. So it, it spreads through people. And so once you have learned, then it's sort of on you to pay it forward and help teach somebody else. Now, don't be overbearing about it, right? Don't be that guy who just, you know, can't shut up about it and learn to kind of be normal. Yep. Um, but you should, in my view, be available to help your own friends about Bitcoin because a lot of people are going to be going through this and they're going to be really struggling to understand this because their schools and universities and so on didn't give them the tools to understand this. And that's why it takes so much learning and understanding um, to really try and even have a chance to understand Bitcoin. Yeah, I think we're actually taught in schools to pass tests. <laughs> I don't think we're taught, um, you know, this type of stuff. And you know, I, I would just, you know, um, off the back of what Stefan's just said, I would just advise anybody to go down the rabbit hole. You know, do whatever research you need to do to get yourself to a point where you just know that, Bitcoin's the future, you know, and we all learn at different levels. We all come from a different understanding, you know, just get to that point where you're not just seeing Bitcoin as something somebody's going on about and it's the next fad. You know, this is the money of the future. This is going to change lives. This is, in my opinion, going to redistribute wealth to those people, you know, I mean, there was a saying, and I can't remember the saying, but it was the old boy next door becomes the billionaire. You know, the skint guy next door with a beat up car becomes the next billionaire because he had the foresight to get some Bitcoin when everybody else around him was laughing at him and getting on with their daily lives and, you know, spending their money on their necks, as Adam says, big flat screen TV and stuff. You know, he had the foresight to, you know, dollar cost average, buy a little bit of Bitcoin every payday. And so my advice, 
off the back of Stefan's is do that. Whatever research you need to do so that you can get to a conclusion. The conclusion may be, I've done enough to know that I don't want to know any more about this, or I've done enough to know that, my God, this is right for me. This is something I need to learn even more about. Start as Stefan said, being there for on hand for anybody that's, you know, got any questions about it. And it's really interesting because, you know, I've got, you know, one of my brothers who sits on the fence with this, he always says, how's the old Bitcoin doing then? You know, but once you start a bull run going again, all of a sudden there's very much more interest, you know, more questions and, wow, look at that, what's going on? I ought to get some. You know, you're almost then at the point where, hey, when everyone thinks they should be getting some, you're almost too flipping late. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, Stefan, it's been great having you on the show. If you can just bear with me for one second, I am going to pop up my desktop because i got to give a shout out to the show sponsors, justlearnbitcoin.com. Um, guys, if you uh, want to head over to justlearnbitcoin.com, um, they've got an incredible um, support site over there that um, talks about, you know, what is Bitcoin based on, you know, learning about it, why, why you should own it, why you should buy it, wallet services, trading, all that sort of stuff. And um, they've been very kind to sponsor my show. Um, so really anything to do with wallet setup, backup, the best long-term story solution for you. And I'm in talks with them right now because, um, you know, what we don't consider is what would happen to us if suddenly we, our life ended, you know, God forbid, I hate talking about it, but let's say there was a car crash. And, and if I died, Elaine, my wife's okay. She knows the, the seeds to my trezor, etc. You know, but if both of us went, what then happens? What is the plan B for you to be able to ensure that your Bitcoin gets moved on to your loved ones? So they deal with that. They help you with coin splitting, airdrops, recovering coins sent to the wrong chain, questions about mining, pretty well everything Bitcoin related. Uh, just learn Bitcoin.com. It is well worth checking out. There's Bitcoin to the moon, the same T-shirt I've got on. He's a great guy. He supports them over there as well. Finally, before I end the show, and I'll bring Stefan back in the, on the screen in a moment. As many of you know, I'm really, really big on quotes. So I do like to end uh, shows with quotes. Uh, and I love this quote here. And it simply says, all I can control is myself and just keep having a positive attitude. Now, if you think about that for a moment, if I can bring my screen back up and get both of us back up on the screen. If you think about that for a moment, all we can do is control our own emotions. All we can do is do our own research. Uh, don't, don't listen to the 80 percenters, as Adam calls them, that are no coiners. Those people will tell you, ah, you don't want to be doing that. I've heard about that sort of thing. That's something dodgy. Don't listen to those people. If you want to know how you position yourself for incredible wealth in the future, if you want that, here's my advice. In the notes section below, there is a link to a video I did re several of the Bitcoiners that I encourage you to follow on YouTube. I'm going to have to do another one now because I've got now had add a certain Stefan Levera and his <laughs> podcasts into that. But check out that video, guys. Watch it and you'll see the type of people that I've followed and follow right now that's got me in a point where, like Stefan, I absolutely know 
I'm in the right place at the right time with Bitcoin. So guys, have a strong Bitcoin hand. Buy some, get it onto a trezor, then get on with your life. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your family. Go to work. Take holidays. Let Bitcoin do what it's going to do. Don't keep looking at your app or the charts. It will drive you nuts. Just accumulate and allow Bitcoin to do its thing. So, guys, if you're on Steam it watching this, give us a th an upvote and a re-steam. I'd appreciate it. Um, if you're watching this on Twitter, again, retweet it. Um, I've had a great show, Stefan. Thanks for being with us, my friend. I know it is really, really early for you. But, guys, that is the end of the Bitcoin show. Uh, Stefan's going to say cheerio to you all right now before I click the button and say goodbye. But for me, I will catch you all on Monday with my regular 6 p.m. Bitcoin for Beginners show. That's the end of the show. Stefan, thanks for being a super guest. And you'll have the final word to the audience. Excellent. Well, look, it's been a pleasure to be on the show. And I guess I'll just take this opportunity as well for your listeners. If you're interested in learning, my podcast is also a great one. Although I would say in fairness, it's probably more for like kind of intermediate to advanced, but it is worth checking out. So you can, if you're interested to find that, you can find that at stefanlevera.com or look up Stefan Levera podcast. And I'm on Twitter as at Stefan Levera. But with that said, thank you very much, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and I'm going to make an apology because well, the last thing I was going to say is where can people find you? But Stefan said <laughs> that. But you can also find those links in the notes sections below. Guys, thanks for being on the call with us, your support. If you're watching this in the future, do leave a comment. It really helps the video stay up there and current. Um, drop a, a, a message as to where you are in the world. It's really great to know where people are tuning in uh, from around the world. Stefan, thanks for being on the call with me tonight. Guys, that's the end of the show. I'll catch you all on Monday.